Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. How can I help? Hi, thanks for telling my family and me about Toyota's national sales event. We got a new RAV4 during the event and it's been great. Well, that makes me happy. Right now through September 6th, It is the best time to drive off in a new Camry Hybrid, Tacoma, and more. So what are you up to? You know, we took the RAV4 to a great spot, and now we're exploring a cave. Amazing. Yeah, my wife talked me into spelunking. I'm actually a complete and absolute amateur. Absolute amateur. Absolute amateur. Huh, I could have done without the echo on that. Toyota's national sales event is on. Visit your participating Toyota dealer today to enjoy every last second of summer. Toyota, let's go places. See your participating Toyota dealer for details. Dealer inventory may vary. Event ends September 6th. What's up, Gamecock Nation? Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark. We are back. GC Live Monday episode. If you've been missing the show, we apologize. We did not do a show at all last week. We did not reach our goal, Chris. You set goals in order to accomplish goals. We failed last week. We did not reach our goal of doing more than one show. We actually did less than one show last week. So we're back. We're going to try to do multiple shows this week, and I really think we can hit that goal. We have plenty to talk about today. And if you've been missing the show, we've been missing you as well. You can thank Craig. Craig, shout out, Craig. When I was on JB and Goldwater earlier today, he said, guys, I miss you. Where's the show been? So I said, you know what? He's right. We need to do a show. Here we are. This show is, as always, brought to you by our good buddy, Clint Hammond. Shout out to Clint. I think we told everybody this before, Chris, but Clint has already locked in. Like, for, for, for GC Live into the future. Clint's going to be around for a while. So Clint doesn't just support the show and and dip out. He's in for the long haul on Gamecock Central and on GC Live. And from the bottom of our heart, we appreciate that. We appreciate Clint. Had a great lunch with him last week. You can talk to Clint as well. You can give him a call, 803-771-6933, or go to ClintHammond.com if you're in the market for a new home or you want to refinance, see what options you have. Clint is your dude. I promise you that you won't find a better mortgage guy or a bigger Gamecock fan who is a huge supporter of this show and your South Carolina Gamecocks. Chris, plenty to talk about. Maybe one of the it, it wasn't the best kept secret in the world by any means. The last couple of days that past the Lavoisier Carroll was going to end up at South Carolina, but. It is official now. It, it is it is a done deal. He is he has announced it. And I, there was even a little bit of feedback 
on our site. There was one guy on there. He's like, well, guys, why why can't you report something at this point? And, you know, I kind of, it's kind of at the point I kind of agree. Like, when it gets to the point that people are posting and passing around screenshots of the fact that Lavasia Carroll was in the student, like, is enrolled at South Carolina, the student directory, we've kind of jumped the shark on the whole, well, let's just wait thing. I get it. I get, I get that, right? But we are in a time, it used to be commitments got reported by reporters. Now, it's not a commitment until the kid tweets it. Like, that's just, right. that's the standard, right? It, it doesn't count. It does not count until it's tweeted. Even in this case, if you are potentially already living in Columbia. So, it is official today. Lavoisier Carroll to the Gamecocks has been rumored for a while. It is now official. The welcome home, the first welcome home from last week is revealed. I've talked enough, Chris. Tell me your thoughts on Lavoisier Carroll and the latest Gamecock public commitment. Yeah, so I, I like to go back to kind of the background with Carroll and, and South Carolina and um, thinking back then when Thomas Brown you know, was on South Carolina staff under Will Muschamp. At one point, this guy was the first, you know, commitment in that class for them. Um, has family in the state of South Carolina. Knew uh, Colton Gothier, you know, they're two guys from the state of Georgia um, that kind of grew up playing ball together. So there was a connection. Remember, uh, Lavasia Carroll was on campus at that camp we were at, Wes, back a few summers ago. Distinctly Gothier- remember standing with you watching him at camp. Yeah, he was he was chilling at camp and uh and Gothier was there and Gothier was not committed to South Carolina at the time, was over there doing a workout with Dan Werner uh, at that time, the quarterback's coach. And um, you know, Carol was just kind of watching and, and taking it in. But a- as everybody knows, eventually decommitted from South Carolina, moved from the state of Georgia to IMG Academy in Florida, and eventually committed to Georgia, flirted pretty heavily with Florida actually, at, at the end of that recruiting process, but stuck with the dogs. So, you know, played DB at Georgia. So a lot of folks have wondered why that was. I think if you look at Georgia's running back room, that gives you one part of the answer, right? And Carroll was a long, rangy, speedy guy. So don't think it's out of the question that he could have played DB in college and, and done a nice job with that. But natural position, obviously, in high school was running back, and that's what he figures to be at South Carolina. When I look at Carroll – you know, this is a kid that certainly adds an element that they've been hoping to add on the coaching staff's part, and that is speed. This is a guy that can run. You know, he's got good size. He's not a 220, 230-pound back, uh, but he has some length to him. He has size, and he certainly can run. You know, John Wilson asking about 40 times and things like that earlier. I, I haven't seen fast. Fast, yeah. I mean, he's a guy that can run, you know, 4-4 four, four range. I think pretty easily. So intriguing get for sure for South Carolina. Is there a lot to like about this kid? There's a lot to like. There's a lot to like. And and, and look, man, I mean, another kind of common question has been, well, why has South Carolina targeted and taken two running backs, especially two out of the transfer portal? And I think that's a conversation worth, you know, diving into at some point in the show as well. Yeah, certainly. We will get into that. Uh, Shout out to USC Talk here. Uh, the best way to get uh, posted, get your comment posted, is to say good things about me and Chris. So uh, shout out to USC Talk here. But um, also, Chris, real quick, I want to shout out a couple of the 
the social media Gamecock accounts. Like, there's a lot of young people that run these social media accounts that do a really good job. USC Talk follows. I see. I see his posts on there. He follows recruiting as closely as anybody out there. Uh, so shout out to USC Talk and shout out to our buddy Davies from uh, Gamecocks Today, who the Gamecocks Today account. If you're on Instagram, you've seen it. It's Gamecock Today. If you've seen it on Twitter, he does all of our graphics for Garnet Trust. Does a lot of our our Gamecock Central graphics as well. We do some like collaborative stuff on the GC Instagram, the Gamecocks Today Instagram. We got some talented dudes, and, and shout out to Davies for getting to do the Lavoisier commit edit. Um, if you're a recruit, we don't have a ton of recruits that listen to the show, but if you are, Davies going to be doing more of those. So if you need somebody to do your edit, give give Davies a, a shout. He does a really, really good job. Um, what, why did Carolina take two running backs? I think, first of all, you look initially, right, Chris? There was a, a handful of high school guys, and they were all elite backs, right? Like, they were all – every high school guy they went after, as far as running backs goes, was – you're really talking about an instant impact, elite-type high school back. And when all of those guys sort of went elsewhere, and you look at the running back room that South Carolina had this past season – Every single player had eligibility remaining. So I, I think they sort of took a little bit of a – it felt like it was a little bit of a wait-and-see approach. Let's see how many running backs are back. Let's see how many are truly needed. Let's see who is in the portal. Let's see who is in the portal that's interested. And, you know, we started getting word even after Christian Beal Smith that if the right running back were to come along – they would take another one additionally. And, you know, you look – some people may say, did you need to? I I would probably argue, yes, you do, because you lost Kevin Harris, obviously. You lost Z White, obviously. And now you replace them with two guys who uh, – one of them has experience, has a quite – you know, a pretty good bit of college experience. And the thing about the Carroll get is that you're adding a guy, Chris, it's pretty similar to taking a high school player. Um, now, is, is the redshirt year still available? Of course not. But you also, at this point, <laughs> I, I almost hate to say it this way, but it's a reality. He's already used the transfer now. Like, he's used his one-time transfer. So, you're getting a guy who comes in. He doesn't have a redshirt year available, but you also don't have to worry about him just transferring out immediately because you get the one transfer unless you're a grad guy. So, to me, I look at Christian Bill Smith and Lavoisier Carroll as very different takes, even though they play the same position. Bill Smith, different type of player. He's more of like a grinder, get the dirty yardage type guy. Maybe your starter this year, but you have him for one season. Carroll, speed guy, probably more upside, but maybe has a little more room to sort of grow into what he's going to be as a player. You get faster as a program by adding him. He's maybe a kickoff return guy down the road. Some somebody told me, Chris, that is familiar with like personnel and all this stuff that they really like his his just his ball skills as well. They think Carroll's someone you can get the football in the passing game out of the backfield. You can spread him out. You can use him in the slide if you wanted to. So they're both running backs. But to me, there it's it's 
they're almost not even comparable, even though they play the same position. Yeah, and and I think you nailed it in terms of just like the differences uh, of those two guys, both in skill set and kind of the clock issues with the eligibility. So I would also turn to, will you look at the current roster composition of just in terms of why take two backs, why add two backs into this room? And I think, look, I mean, this is a running back room that, yes, especially adding these two guys in, has talent. But there are still some questions in this room. You know, you got to remember, you are still losing your top two backs from this season. And it's Quandre White, Kevin Harris. Those guys played a lot of ball, played a lot of ball really well. So you do get Juju McDowell back. He's a different type of back, but he has, there were times where the staff chose to ride him at running back. And you can do a lot of different things with him. You do have Marshawn Lloyd. No doubt he's been hampered by injury, but it's not as if Marshawn Lloyd is going into his senior year and has a couple thousand yard seasons under his belt. We don't have that. And then you have Rashad Amos, who is a hard runner and is still young. But again, he hasn't done anything at South Carolina, no fault of his own, but he's been behind some other guys. So you look at the three guys that they have, and there are some, there's some hope there. There's some potential. There's some talent. Um, but it's not like you walk in with three to four junior and senior proven running backs where you say, yeah, everything's fine. You don't need another back. Also, you always get injuries. I mean, South Carolina walked in to this season with Kevin Harris injured. You know, he was overcoming a surgery. And so um, guys get banged up during the year. We've seen this movie before where you need more than one back, more than two, more than three, you know, at South Carolina or anywhere. So I think just from a roster composition standpoint, it lots, makes a lot of sense too. Yeah, especially at that position, man. You have injuries, and then you definitely have injuries at, at running back. I mean, you're, you're, you get hit so much, such a physical position. You're always going to get banged up there. Andrew Murphy weighing in on our Prama Gourmet chat line. Shout out Prama Gourmet, PramaGourmetSC.com. Um, asking, do you think a guy like Juju could potentially move positions? Um, definitely has the hands, but the size is a bit of an issue. I'll tell you what, Andrew. I I don't if it's if it's me, I don't move Juju McDowell. As in, you know, I'm I'm making a like on the roster. I'm not changing him from running back to wide receiver. Like he's still a running back in my eyes, but. I think it's very important for South Carolina this offseason, Chris, to hone in on your Jaheim Bell role for next year, your Juju McDowell role for next year. Um, is it For Juju, is it a true move to Justin Stepp's room? No. I, I think he brings enough. I think even as a small guy, he breaks tackles well enough that I still want him in my running back room. But – now that everybody's getting a year in the system and everybody's settling in and it's obvious you're not changing offensive coordinators, is there more you could do with Juju to put him in the slot? Like we saw him, I don't remember how many times this happened, Chris, but at least part of the time they would start Juju out like at receiver. But anybody paying attention was like, oh, he's about to go in motion. And it would be like jet sweep, but you're you're sort of – Everybody knew that's what you were going to do. It's either going to be jet sweep or jet sweep fake. But that motion was going to be there. Is there more you could do with Juju in like a package basis? Is there more you could do with Jaheim as we saw down the stretch? Yes. So 
I, I don't know, Chris, what you think of that, but I, I'm with Andrew in thinking there's probably more now that everybody's settling in to this scheme. There probably is more you could ask Juju to do, even without a true position change. Yeah, and I, I look, I still think he's a huge asset as a running back. I mean, and you can just turn on the tape from this year and see some of the the things that he did at that position. I mean, remember, I mean, this this is the back that South Carolina staff rode late in the game against East Carolina. You know, the fourth quarter, the last drive, he was the one that, you know, they went to and he made some things happen. And there are a lot of examples of that. But you're right. I mean, smaller guy, yes, but very powerful guy. You know, we we remember that from back in high school. Juju played, you know, DB, kick return, punt return, running back, receiver. Like, he did it all and just very strongly built in the lower body, even though he is smaller. And so he can still break tackles. It's hard for guys to find him because he is smaller. And so I, I think, I mean, yeah, does he have kind of that slot receiver looking size? Yes. And can you use him there? Yes. But I think it makes a lot of sense to get probably even the bulk of his time at running back. Now, could he catch screens, which is an area South Carolina has to improve in a lot going into next year? Um, could you have him catch passes in the flat out of the backfield, use him on jets? Sure. But there's still, I think, a, a lot that the staff can do with Juju as a true running back. You know what? Thinking think of that slot position moving forward, there it's going to be an interesting offseason at that position as well. You look, I'm looking in the chat. Uh, what what exactly is the carry on Joiner's role next year? Can can Amarian Brown sort of build off of what we saw in the bowl game and become a more consistent threat for for South Carolina? He he in the bowl game, I would say looked like what I expected from Amarian Brown when South Carolina landed him. Like, that was almost the exact guy I thought they were getting. We saw it struggle to sort of come together for him. Not really always his own fault, honestly. You know, I, I think there were other things that led to that. But the, the receiver, or let's just say that the playmaker roles within this team, as far as how you slot everything, what exactly do you call everybody, you know, Jaheim Bell, I, I think Jaheim Bell, you'd leave him in the tight end room. But what Jaheim Bell did, and somebody said basically in the chat, you know, basically how the Niners use Debo. I, I agree hundred percent. I I think I think Jaheim Bell, or I know we're getting a, a we're getting a little bit into like big picture topics and really these offseason type topics, but Debo, uh, excuse me, Jaheim is not just a good player. Like Jaheim is has showed down the stretch last year. He's a potentially like great difference making type player. And the more they can get him the football, the better. So I think this is a huge offseason. We we all know this is a huge offseason for this offense. And you know, and and for I think Satterfield himself would tell you that. Like it's a huge offseason for those guys to get this thing going. But I think a big part of that is going to be to figure out how exactly to slot these skill guys to where you have the best chance for them to go make plays and 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 to to get the best group on the field with, you know, with, with Rattler coming in. Yeah, ma- maximizing, right? Like we we talked about that so much during the season and I think 
as the year went on and even looking back now, bowl game notwithstanding. I mean, obviously the offense had a strong performance in the bowl game. It's much more along the lines of what everybody, I don't know if expected is the right word, not that type of outburst on offense in terms of scoring points, but just along the lines of what people wanted to see or closer to it. But the offense in terms of the personnel, and there are a lot of reasons for it. We're not going to relitigate all that. It didn't maximize. And so this going into this season, you know, you feel like they might have a better chance to maximize the personnel they have. Do they still need to continue to recruit to add talent in the trenches and talent at wide receiver? There's no doubt about it. They've got to get better. But as you pointed out, Wes, Spencer Rattler coming in, Austin Stogner, Josh Van coming back. You've got Jaheim Bell. You've got some backs. Now is the time to kind of mix everything together and see, you know, what you can what you can put out in terms of production. And obviously a big part of that is figuring out where all the pieces fit, that this still is not going to be a team where they just have this problem of having just so much talent that you're trying to figure out who fits where. Um, They're still at a place where you're going to have to find the best combinations, where you're going to have a few guys, in my opinion, that the staff's really going to have to ride. And so it's going to be up to them to find, you know, creative ways to get those guys. Sorry, Chris. I, I just, you didn't mute yourself there. I, I accidentally muted you at the end um, and cut you off, but I'll, I'll take, so I'll take the L on that one. Um, but absolutely not. As you were talking, it hit me. We We could also probably do an entire show on just the offensive line for next year as well, as far as the same, the same concept, who, who plays where, who get, who putting in what scenario gets your best five, you know, on on the field and what, in what scenario gets your best left tackle on the field that they're going to have, what eight guys? Not like there. There's a bunch of guys that have played, and that's the position. There's gonna be a, there's gonna be some pressure on the offensive line next year. Let's just call it for what it is. But I think there's the potential for those guys to be a lot better with another year in the system, another year together, another year under the staff to be much better. And I I think we will, of course, dive into specifics of that during a later show. But that that may be the story of the entire offense this offseason is maximizing the time they have together in practice in order to get the right 11 and then the correct next 11, if you will, slotted going into next year to where you're not constantly tinkering and tweaking and changing things looking for that combination as the year goes on, Chris. Yeah, for sure. And um, obviously, I mean, you're going to have to evolve things as the season goes on based on what your opponents are doing, what's working, what's not. And and look, I mean, there were some things, Wes, I mean, I, I think the staff went into even last season with a general plan of what they wanted to do. And some of those things got altered, you know, uh, ineffectiveness at certain spots, the quarterback carousel that we saw this season, those can have an effect on top of the fact that, you know, you're already not super loaded at the skill positions, you know, which we, which we knew going into this year. And then you can't run the football when you thought you'd be able to run it. So there's definitely a lot of, a lot of moving parts there, but, you know, getting Josh Van back was big. As we said, you've got Jaheim back. You, you, 
now have a better sense of what you've got. And some of the guys that you're bringing in that you're counting on to be contributors, Spencer Rattler, Austin Stogner, Beal Smith, these are guys that actually have college tape. They're not freshmen where you're saying, well, we really need this freshman to be good. There, There is some of that. Landon Sampson, for instance, is definitely a guy you need to come in and be good and play, I think. Um, but a lot of these guys have done it, right? And you're just integrating them into your system. So uh, the O-line, no doubt. I, I imagine us having a 45-minute to one-hour O-line show uh, sometime before spring ball and probably after spring ball as well once we see how it how it shakes out. Probably multiple O-line shows, if we're being honest. And, and hopefully in the fall, not many O-line shows because – that generally means bad things have happened. Y'all are unhappy. You know, I'd, I'd be I'd be happy if we didn't have to talk about offensive issues. <laughs> like time after time after time, when we're doing the show every day during the season. Chris, I so as we were talking, uh, and I, I do I do want to get back to to Lavasi. I've got some Lavasier film I, I want to play from from his high school senior season at IMG. It's kind of interesting with the portal, how you can slot the different guys as far as what category. I've kind of been putting them in different categories in my mind. And it's interesting. We've talked about this part before where you have, let's say, an Antoine Wells, for example. He is He was an FCS player that very clearly belongs at the FBS really at the power five level. He'd proved enough that he was an elite enough player to show he can come help South Carolina. Like he can at the very least be a contributor on a power five team, in my opinion. Then, you know, you have the guys that maybe, maybe fans would get excited about a transfer from an SEC program, but it's like, well, did that guy play at all? But then there's even levels to that, right? It's, if a guy was at South Carolina and he's a senior now and he has not even touched the two deep, chances are he's going to need to tr- transfer pretty far down in order to be ready to play. You know, then you have you have some guys like a Jermaine Burton at Georgia who literally was a uh, – he played a ton – was a starter a lot of times, caught caught a, quite a bit of passes. He wasn't he didn't catch 80 balls in a season, but was a big part of what they do. Chris, he literally transferred to the their opponent in the national title game. Yep. Um okay, interesting. Um you have the case of Lavoisier Carroll, where he transferred, obviously to South Carolina, and there really wasn't enough from his time at Georgia to even know yet. There's not really a new evaluation there, you know? Mm-hmm. But now it's only been one year. So I, I think him, he played in four games at DB. I don't. I think that's a neutral result. Like it doesn't say, ah, oh, the guy can't play. It doesn't say, ah, oh, the guy can play. It's kind of neutral. If you loved him a year ago in high school, which that's what the film is from that we're about to show, then you probably take him. But then there's a ton of guys that are going to fall into this category. I think of the kid at, that was at Georgia, Justin Robinson. Mm-hmm. Highly regarded wide receiver. South Carolina was involved initially. He's right on that low end of the four-star. 
area. Goes to Georgia for for a couple of years. I think he was a, I think he was in his second year at Georgia. Is that right? I think that's right. I think that's second right. Or third year. I think he was going into his third year. Hadn't really played, and there's nothing new on him. So you're sitting there, okay? Is this a guy that could still go to another SEC school and be an impact guy? Was this a misevaluation? Was there a reason? why he wasn't playing at Georgia. Were they just good, that good at that position? And then he ends up at, at Mississippi State, which uh, our old buddy Steve Spurrier Jr. is just playing musical chairs at receiver. I think they're, I think they're all leaving, and they're, they've offered every portal receiver in the country. Uh, but that's a different show in, entirely. So there's another category here when, when I look at guys like Justin Robinson where I'm like, how how do you evaluate those guys? How how do you you don't have access to Georgia's practice film? Yeah, it, it, there's there's some risk in taking those guys. There's not really any risk in taking Christian Buell Smith. He's going to be a very solid contributor for you. I feel like yeah, taking guys who are like sophomores at SEC schools but haven't played yet. There's no new film could work out. You could within. Three weeks, be like, oh, that's that's, that's well, why, <laughs> you know, right? Well, and you see a lot of times you see uh, these these transfer players, uh, you know, will send out their reels from practice, even publicly on social media, but also to coaches, and you can look at him, but like, man, that guy's making a lot of plays on this practice reel, and then you'll look at who was like this guy's a walk on fifth stringer at some school, you know. <laughs> so it is hard to tell, and so I think within the coaching industry, even look, co- coaches have their own uh, sources, I think, you know, so like you kind of have to rely on that in the personnel world, in the coaching world, you have to kind of scour the landscape and try to figure out what you're getting on a guy. And then if a guy, you know, even if you hear positive returns on a guy in practice, if he hasn't done it in a game, you know, then it can become difficult. Wes, your example about uh, uh, Jermaine Burton made me think of the Max Johnson situation too, right? I mean, you got, Max Johnson last seen beating, upsetting Texas A&M as LSU's starter at quarterback, decides to enter the portal, transfers to where? Texas A&M, which already has Zach Calzada, who came off the bench last year. He has since transferred. They also had Haynes King, who was the starter, lost his, you know, never regained his job because he was injured in the Colorado game. They had uh, Connor Weigman, who, by the way, Jimbo Fisher said is probably the most talented quarterback he's ever recruited coming in in this freshman class. So interesting situation there too. And and we've definitely seen, you know, some of those, some of those odd situations as well. So that, that just made me think of the Max Johnson kind of interesting transfer deal. There, well, there, there will be many more yes. weird scenarios that our brains probably can't even come up with right now. I mean, but, but even with that one, you have right. Max Johnson, as you said, beats, he beats A&M while he's at LSU. He trans he hits the portal, nearly ends up at South Carolina. Honestly, nearly ends up at South Carolina. Instead, he ends up at A and M. Calzada enters the portal. Where does he end up? At Auburn, which is where T.J. Finley is also at, because Max Johnson beat him out at, at LSU. <laughs> so I mean, and there's another. I can't even remember the other. There's another layer in there too. I, I think that. 
goes beyond what my brain even wants to think about right now. But there, there's all the, I mean, it's all layered together. I mean, golly, look at, um, look at our, look at all, uh, shoot, uh, DK, Darion Kendrick play. He plays in a national, he, he plays for the title with Clemson. Then at one point he's opening the season this year playing against Clemson for Georgia. And now he wins a title at Georgia at, at DB as well. So he won a title at Clemson and at Georgia. Um, talk about a career, man. Like that, that guy's played in some games now. That guy's played in some, some playoff games. So it, it's, it, it is kind of crazy, but I, I think, you know, if you're Mississippi state, like you, I think they needed receivers. They knew Justin Robinson was a really good player in high school. You probably take the risk, right? Um, but you know, if you're South Carolina, you're sitting there, you're like, if we're going to spend a scholarship on another receiver, it needs to be, it needs to be as close to a sure thing as possible. I I think we're not to cut you off West, but I think what you pointed to is like the on field production. Even if you're having a guy step up a level from FCS, you got to be able to see, this guy produced in a game games at some level, right? Now you may look at an FCS's guy's tape and you say that's not going to translate when you, when you step up. Clearly, with Wells, they they think it will translate. But even even for a guy like Robinson, who is certainly higher ranked than Wells coming out of high school, right? That doesn't necessarily mean he's in South Carolina's mind at this point a better prospect. Now that both of those guys have been in college for multiple years, I think with portal recruiting. Coaches lean a lot on what has the guy actually done in college. You will see some takes of guys who, you know, like you said, Mississippi State, it's kind of more of a risk for them. On the other side, guys like Robinson, Spencer Rattler, Austin Stogner, they're going to be looking for the opportunity. Antoine Wells, I want to step up a notch. Spencer Rattler, this is a great situation for me. I know Shane Beamer. I know there's an opening here at quarterback. Lavasia Carroll who you're putting up the highlights now, Wes, for those watching on the on the stream here, a chance to go back to a school he's familiar with because he's been committed there before. He's visited there many times. Move back to your natural position and a place that you think you can go play. Lavoisier has a – there's definitely a track feel to his running style. Like he has that that long stride when he gets out in the open field. But I, I don't think he's just a speed guy. Like I, I see, I see him cut to daylight. I see some vision from him as well. I think the most interesting thing for me, just to see see what happens, Chris, will be how, how much muscle is he able to add? You know, in, in a college program. I mean, he he's a little he's a taller guy. He's a little bit upright. Um, you know, can definitely make things happen when there's when there's some space. I think it'll be interesting to see just how big he gets, just how big he is right now after playing corner for Georgia. Um, you know, th- those are all things I'll, I'll be interested to see. But I don't think a ton has changed with the guy. Like th- this is this is filmed from one year ago. You know, he's a senior at IMG, and you know he was going to be playing against pretty good competition if he's at IMG. Somebody else asked, you know, who was he sitting behind at IMG? Well. He and uh, Katron Allen, which is the the guy who signed with Penn State as a big time running back this past cycle, they were basically splitting time. Their their numbers were very very close to each other. Um, 
it would have been Allen's junior year and Lavoisier's senior year. So, I mean, there he, he was splitting time with another really, really good back, but had had a good couple of seasons at IMG despite um, you know there being just tons of talent uh, in those backfields. Yeah, I mean, lots of talents, uh, talent on those on those teams overall, obviously, at IMG. But you're right, man. I mean, interesting running style because he is a little taller. He is a more upright back. And so this is a guy that's going to have, stylistically, he's going to be a lot different than, you know, a Kevin Harris, a Christian Beale Smith, a Juju McDowell. You know, he's going to be different than those guys. But this is someone that I, I thought it was really interesting what you mentioned earlier, Wes, a scouting note that you'd picked up that, South Carolina likes his ball skills. You know, when you look at Lavoisier Carroll, and y'all don't go saying Chris Clark says that he should move to receiver or whatever. I'm not trying to move him. But being able to use him out of the backfield or use him in some situations, because we know, I mean, look, just turn on the tape. You know this guy can run. When he's in the open field, you know, he has speed. He can outrun some guys. He certainly did it at the high school level. I think he's fast enough to do it at the college level too. Um, But just – stylistically and how you could use them in a scheme. This isn't a, in my opinion, a 25, 30 carry, like this guy's going to grind out six or seven yards at a time for you. But this is a guy that I think you use him in the correct way and he can grind some things out. Travis Edwards said in the Primal Gourmet chat line here, Wes, looks similar to Z White. I can kind of see some of that, you know, with like, I think Z White really developed into an all out, like, tough grinder vision and also had speed. I think some of the athletic elements that Carroll brought to the field or that white brought to the field, you can kind of see in Carroll. Does Carroll develop that mindset of if there was a brick wall in between me and the end zone, I may not be going through it, but I'm going to try. That that to me was what Z White embodied. Yes, and um, I, I do. I, I kind of agree with like stylistically. There is a little bit, you know. Z White was kind of an upright runner. Would make some. What would you say? Unorthodox cuts, almost like he he had a little bit different running style. Looking back, I'm going to miss watching the guy run. He When they finally were able to give him some space, he was really fun to watch down the stretch. And, you know, I'll miss that. But the thing that Z had was just, I mean, if there was a guy in front of him, he, he was going to try to run through him if he needed to. And we'll we'll see if that if that part maybe rubs off or, or, or comes off from from uh, from Lavoisier as well. But there there is a little I, – I, I do agree. There is – some of that there. Um, Chris, this is a discussion for, for way down the road. So you don't have to answer this yet. But if if an answer immediately pops into your head, and I, I want the chat to get involved as well. First name that pops in your head when I when I ask this question. Who takes the first snap at running back for South Carolina in 2022? If they're all healthy, yeah, that, that's a that's a discussion I would definitely table until later. Yeah, I think very much to be determined. Um, if you made me say, I would maybe say Juju McDowell. You know, 
just based on returning experience on the roster. Who who would be the most experienced guy? Christian Beal Smith in terms of carries, right? Career yeah, carries. Yeah, yeah. The, so this is good, man. This is good. First three responses were from Travis, Charles, and Benjamin. Marshawn Lloyd, Christian Beal Smith, and Juju McDowell. That's about what I thought. There it's a go. completely split room, right? No, none of those would be shocking at all. No, not at all. I mean, stylistically, some different guys. You've got kind of the wide openness of just, again, they don't have three guys where you can say this is definitely the top three guys. They're all juniors or seniors. Here's exactly what they've done on this team in this offense. There's too many variables there at play. And even a guy that you're bringing in as a transfer in Beal Smith, I mean, he'll be the most experienced guy, but it is a different roster. Um, it is a different offense. Um, so it's it's hard to read that right now. I do think we'll have a better sense, and this sounds like a cop-out answer, but I think there's a lot of truth in it. We probably will have a better sense after spring at least, right? But right now that's probably very tough to answer. Yeah, it's kind of a get. I mean, there, there's no – there's no information. Like it's it's not like, well, who has a source to tell them who's going to start? You know, no, the the staff doesn't know who's going to start. But you know, may, I mean, maybe if you're a great evaluator and you can see the future, you can maybe get, you know. I think it, some the people that are saying Marshawn, I think if Marshawn can have a great off season and and be the guy that maybe he was envisioned to be when he was healthy and when he got to South Carolina, 100%. Does he have a shot? Yes. Does, does Juju, you know, with what he did last year, does he get the first one? That's that's a possibility. Does Christian Bill Smith come in and just be that steady, stabilizing force for the room that they say, we want this guy's experience on the field? I mean, all those things are, are very realistic possibilities. And I'll be honest, I, I want to see what Rashad Amos does this spring, just because I probably know less about him as a player and what he's capable of as far as seeing it with my own eyes than, than, than maybe anybody else on this offense as far as skill players go. That's right, and I think there's some some reasons to not give up on Rashad Amos at this point. You know, he didn't get run this year, but I think it's easy to see why with the guys ahead of him in experience and, you know, Juju McDowell's emergence as a freshman, but – Amos is still a guy who's what was he West when we looked him up? He's six one two twenty something like that. Big guy, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, big big guy, bigger than we even thought at this point. Had really good high school tape. I wouldn't, you know, runs hard. I mean, we we heard even recently some kind of positive returns from practice on him in terms of how he runs his style. So probably not a guy to sleep on there either. So it, that's hey, there's a bunch of storylines with this team going into spring ball probably the most anticipated spring ball in a long time around here, Wes. And most of it centers around Spencer Rattler, right, and, and that kind of thing. But a lot of other storylines positionally and running back and how that rotation is going to shake out, that's certainly one of them. Yeah, so a couple questions about the spring game. Is it going to be at night? I I don't think that's locked in yet from what I've heard personally. Maybe something they've been considering. You know, is there more you could do with the spring game to add some excitement comparatively to, you know, I think by the end of the Muschamp era, 
the spring game was like an afterthought. There were a couple of years there, I feel like maybe under Muschamp, or even when Muschamp, when, when Muschamp first got there, or there were a couple of spurrier spring games where there was like some excitement around it. There's going to be some natural excitement around it because of the new guys. But I think if you're South Carolina, there's more you could do to add to it. Uh, you know, Spurrier played around with having a concert, um, you know, out, outside the stadium. And Georgia has has played around with, with having bigger concerts and stuff like that. There, there's plenty you could do to make it more of an event as opposed to just a scrimmage. And I I, I think you've, you've got to go – you've got to sort of lean into it this time just because you already know you have that baseline excitement that is going to be on hand for people to see Spencer Rattler and those guys for the first time. For sure. And, I mean, something that we've talked about, we've probably said it publicly, Wes, but if we haven't, I'll go ahead and say it. The The football program, from like an offensive standpoint, you probably have Spencer Rattler for one year. You need to make the most of that. And so what I mean by that is you do need to go score points, help help yourself win games, surround him with other talent that will help you do that. And ultimately what that's going to lead to is if South Carolina wins a good number of games this year, Spencer Rattler plays really well and works himself into that first round, you know, high NFL draft pick conversation, then that's your your best case scenario, right? Because now you have, hey, Spencer Rattler transferred, he played well, this kind of brings that that court. You go produce an NFL quarterback. You make it a better situation for maybe other transfer quarterbacks or your young guys you've got on the roster to go ahead and rise up. And now you're helping yourself in recruiting because you've given other playmakers, whether it's quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, like a look at what that may look like. That helps you in recruiting. Not only so by the same token, the administration, the athletic department at South Carolina, they got to take advantage of this too with initiatives and different things to take advantage of this excitement starting, you know, in the spring. Yeah. And businesses with NIL and Garnet trust. Um, oh, good segue. There are opportunities for you there as well. New uh, pl- shameless plug West, since you said it, you brought it up. Garnettrust.com now has a dedicated business page. So if you visit garnettrust.com, you'll see up in the top right corner, Garnet trust for businesses. If you're a business owner and you're saying, hey, man, I'd love to get a player to endorse something or do something with a player. I don't know what. I don't know how. Go to GarnetTrust.com. You can click on that section for businesses. There's a form you can fill out. There's other examples of things that Garnet Trust has done in the past. You can check those out if you would like. You never know, Chris. There could be another exciting Garnet Trust announcement um, coming relatively soon in the not-so-distant future. That's <laughs> right. Always could be, could be, could yep. be. You never know. You might want to look out for that, but yeah, go check out garnettrust.com. Man, I, I know, I know we shouldn't start getting ahead of ourselves, but too late. Y'all, uh, <laughs> y'all, yeah, y'all, y'all know, y'all know who the opener is against, right? Like y'all, y'all have looked at the schedule. This is going to be, this is going to be weird. <laughs> like, I, I feel like Georgia State is almost South Carolina's cousin at this point. 
with the number of Gamecock connections that you have at that school. Yep. And, and by the way, shout out to um, a native South Carolinian and a great dude and former Lexington high school head football coach, Josh Stepp, got um, recently got named the offensive coordinator, got a promotion to OC at Georgia State. But it's it's not just it's not just Josh. I mean, Josh Stepp and Justin Stepp, incredibly, they're they're twins. So, I mean, they're tight. Like they're as tight as I've seen brothers be. They're going to be on opposite sidelines for each other. You got Sean Elliott. Obviously, everybody listening or watching this show knows who Sean Elliott is. You've got Travian Robertson coaching the D line. You got Bryson Allen Williams as a analyst at, at Georgia State. You got what Corey Peoples, I think, is still on that staff as well. Former Gamecock. Yep. Um, dude, this is going to be a little bit weird. It is. It's going to be fun. And it's that's going to be a game, Wes. And uh, yeah, not to get too ahead of ourselves and diving in with a scouting report on Georgia State this year, but that's going to be a game that you know Sean Elliott has that one circled. You know those guys that love everybody, all those guys you mentioned love the Gamecocks, but they've got it circled. There's no doubt about it, and uh, they'll have their team motivated. Georgia State has done some things under Elliott in terms of uh, playing. You know, knocking some people off their pedestal a little bit. Um, near miss at Auburn this past year. They've knocked some folks off. And so uh, that that is going to be fun, and I agree. A little bit little bit weird. You hope it's fun for the Gamecocks, because if it's not, whew. Anyway, that's it's way, on, way on off, but that's going to be pretty fun. And, and as they're saying in the in the chat, probably, probably going to be some words for Jordan Strong uh, on the field as well, no? Like, I, there's probably a little extra chippiness, I would imagine, from, from some former, maybe former O-line teammates who used to try to block Jordan in practice, uh, you know, now blocking him in an SEC stadium. Yeah, Sean, Sean Elliott, when, when Sean Elliott one day retires and is not coaching football anymore, you'll probably see him at williams Price Stadium one day, maybe cracking a cold one wearing his garnet. But for now, my man probably wants to beat the Gamecocks about more than anybody this coming season. So that, that's, that's right. going to be fun, man. Yep, yep. He he is. Yeah, he, Sean Elliott at the basketball game the other day. I saw not, that. Wearing Georgia State stuff, not Gamecocks. But, yeah, no doubt. Jordan Strong. A lot of motivation there for everybody, so that'll be fun. Hey, Wes, bef- before we get out of here, I want to make sure we hit this. Numbers update. One of the most common questions in terms of scholarship numbers on the roster. Just got a text about it, too. Um, Telling you or asking you? Asking. Asking about the numbers. And so let's run through that one more time. Basically, what you need to know is a couple of spots left in this class, right? Um, A while back, South Carolina's kind of operating at at three. They're They're at two spots left. Now, it can come from anywhere. That can come from the portal, can come from a high schooler, can come from a JUCO kid two more spots in the 2022 class when you add everything up from high schoolers, transfers, what counted from last year's roster towards the 22 class. That's where they're at. Wes, I wouldn't say it's a guarantee that they definitely, definitely fill those slots. Is it very possible? Yes. But I think at this point it's got to be the right players, the right position, the right player, the potential to make an impact. 
We do think that if there's more additions to this class, very likely it would come again from the transfer portal. But just kind of a wait and see at this point, because not only do you have to consider initial counters, like the two extra spots, you also have to consider their way over on the overall 85 scholarship limit. Now, we do anticipate more attrition after the spring, but that's a consideration for the coaching staff going forward. Well, and Chris, you, you also have one final guy out there in the high school ranks in EJ Lightsey, who um, is worth very much worth keeping an eye on. For sure. There, you know, he'll be in. He's scheduled to be at South Carolina this weekend. There, there's been some positive buzz for South Carolina to possibly land this kid late. Now, that said, after the Georgia visit this past weekend. He did make it on his Georgia official. From what I've heard, Georgia does want him, which I was curious, you know, Georgia can take anybody in the country at this point for the most part. I didn't know how much they were prioritizing him. From what I heard today, they want him. And you kind of would feel like Georgia would be tough to beat on a Georgia kid. Um so so we'll see what happens there. But but EJ Lightsey from Fitzgerald, Georgia, former Florida commitment. I mean, as far as high school kids go, I don't even know if there's anybody else we should be tracking at this at this point. There is there always possible somebody just pops up and we get a text. Um and somebody's like, hey, check this, you know, watch this guy. He may be coming to South Carolina. That's always a, there's always a possibility, but chances are that that's kind of it as far as as far as that goes. And uh, transfer guys still still some guys out there to keep an eye on, but we're not really quite sure exactly what that looks like. Um, Travis asking about the super seniors. As of right now, super seniors do count towards your eighty five, which is really the issue. If they didn't. South Carolina would be actually in, I think, Chris, decent shape as far as the numbers go. Yeah, they would. And and that was kind of the question is would the NCAA grant some more relief? Because on one hand, you, you're letting people replace seven transfers, you know, up to seven transfers with seven new guys. But that's on top of your other 25. Uh, maybe you don't have additional attrition on your roster. It can kind of make it tough to manage. If you want to maximize your class and bring in up to 32 new guys, obviously there needs to be some more movement on your current roster. But so far, nothing on that. Um, still at a hard cap of 85. Still at the super seniors counting, which was not the case, obviously, last season. So unless something changes, that's uh that's what all the coach the college coaches around the country and personnel people you know that's that's the assumption that they're working under. All right, y'all. I think that's gonna do it for today. It was good to to get back on here, see everybody, hear from everybody. Um, still a welcome home out there. Somebody's asking in the comments. It has not been reviewed. Or it's not been revealed. I should say yet. May maybe in the next week or so. I don't. I don't think you're gonna find out. Like today from what we've heard um mark i'll tell you what chris let's get one more question on our promo gourmet line marshall saying am i the only one thinking we need more o-line depth and competition so there there's plenty of depth on the o-line as far as guys marshall you're not the only one who thinks maybe 
there's the need for like a stud left tackle out there. But there's just not very many guys that fit that in the transfer portal. If you're a stud left tackle that is a junior, you're probably just going to the league. You know, you're going to the NFL. If they could find the right guy, then yes, absolutely. Is that in the cards? I don't know. And they have so many, Chris, I feel like they have so many guys that are already upperclassmen on the offensive line. It only does you any good if it's like a true difference-making instant starter. Otherwise, you just roll with the guys you got, I think. Yeah, that's a situation where you don't take that guy like and, and this isn't piling on Justin at all. He may go to Mississippi State and be great. But that Justin Robinson type situation where you've got a guy who's maybe in year two, year three, for whatever reason hasn't made an impact at his current school, and then you're just taking him kind of more on a flyer, right? Doesn't make as much sense in this situation because it is what you're bringing in better than what you've got. And that's that's what you want to be doing in recruiting just in general. You know, you want to be upgrading your depth, upgrading your talent, making all your positions better, or upgrading your competition. If you're not doing that with an offensive lineman, it's not worth it in this class. Do they have work to do to get better and build more depth internally? Sure. Would they like that you know, impact guy from the portal? Sure. But like you said, I think you've laid that out plenty in the past that those guys are a little bit harder to find than a position like receiver or running back, for instance. Yeah, and right now, I unless something changes, there's not there's not an offensive lineman out there that I've heard they're close to taking or getting in the portal on the offensive line. So I'll just say it like that. All right, for Chris, I'm Wes. We appreciate all of you joining us. Appreciate the support as always. Hit the like button, leave a review, uh, whether it's on the podcast, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. We appreciate you listening, appreciate you watching. We'll be back on here soon. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you then. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.